welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Y'all glad to be here today. Y'all acting like it. Y'all acting like y'all wanted to go and have and be the church. Um, it is a blessing to be in Christ. How many of you believe that with all your soul? You wouldn't rather be nowhere else. You was lost, but now you're found. You're getting put back. How many of you are getting put back together? Oh, Humpty Dumpty may not have had nobody to put them back together, but at the cross where we first saw light, we definitely had somebody to put. We didn't, need a, we didn't have an army put us back together. We had God put us back together. And I don't, see, you, you, to feel that, you'd have to have some stuff in your life that's a mess and know that you weren't together. And, and, but, but when you recognize the reality of that, you can shout and excite yourself about the reality of the fact that God is putting the pieces back together again. So if you came in here broken and pieces, just pieces coming down Diamond Street, well, God is right behind you picking up those pieces. And I'm believing God's going to put some stuff back together in your life. Uh, but don't you give up on yourself. Somebody need to hear that today. It's somebody under the sound of my voice. You're in give up mode. You're in last stage mode. But God told me to tell you today that he's behind you picking you up. And he's going to turn you around. And he's going to put you on some solid ground. Don't you let go of him. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're struggling now, but your change is coming. You're wrestling through it now, but your change is coming. I know it's hard right now, and it feels like you're bound, and you can't get it out of your life, but your change is coming. Oh, you ought to believe that, and you ought to, you ought to say that over yourself. Amen. Um, that's a godly way of speaking life. We don't speak things into existence, but we only affirm the promises of God. Why? Because they're yes and amen in Jesus. I like that verse. That's one of my favorite. All the promises of God. Somebody say all the promises of God are yes and amen for me. Oh, y'all ain't say it right. All the promises of God are yes and amen for me. You got to do like that. You got to hold your chest up a little bit. You got to say for me. Amen. Amen. Promises aren't there just to be dangling in the atmosphere. Promises God put in place to be gathered. And so, so grab some promises, y'all. Listen, that's, that's, oh, I'm giving away the sermon, another sermon already. You know, all right, let me, let me get into this message today. Well, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. 2 Corinthians 7 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's fine. We don't shame about that here. We got, we got the stuff up on the screen so you can look up there in nice big letters for people like me. You know who's nearsighted. You know, we need some, some big lettering. Amen. And um, if you can't see, it should be screens up in the balconies in different spots. If you can't see, um, yeah. Amen. Let's go. One, two, three, read. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. You Amen. In our barrier breaker series that we've been going through, this week's barrier breaker is generosity. Uh-oh. Okay, let me try this again. Because it's a verse that's going to tell you how you should respond anyway. You read it every week. Uh, um, today we're talking about barrier breaker generosity. I'm going down to Pentecostalized eternal fellowship down the street where they like to give. Amen. What is it? But generosity is going to be a little bit bigger than you think today. Um, and so don't leave now. Every time I go to the no, no, let's get it. A to the men, right? All right. Father. Um, thank you. Thank you for everything. And we want to show gratitude. And today, we'll learn it. And we'll grow in it. And then we'll see the fruit of it. Let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So much is different now. You know, when we were learning, I, I don't know if any of you are raising kids or have raised kids in the last 15 years, but I, I, I or 20 years, um, for us, and man, I'm gonna tell you right now, man, they they get more work than we got. I mean, their homework is be a lot. I mean, in first grade, we see, I'm scratching my head at the math, you know? I'm saying we do the math this way, and they trying to tell me how to do it another way. And I'm saying it's an easier way to do it, but they got a whole new process. It's not new math, it's just a new process. And so, you, as you start learning, you know, I, back in the day, it was four fruit groups, now it's six. I was like, I thought, what, would God make more stuff, you know? I didn't, I didn't know. So, uh, so, so as, as I'm looking at the food groups, I'm like, wow. It's f most say five food groups now. So they say fruits, vegetables, uh, um, uh, dairy. Uh, some of y'all saying it out, the elementary school teachers. Y'all doing it already. Meat and grains and the nutritionists. And what's interesting about um, those is each one of those families of, um, uh, of food groups play a role in the nutrients in our life. So some give protein, some give certain vitamins, uh, others fiber, different things that all of them are made for and God created them for in our life to develop us. Um, but what happens sometimes is you can go through what's called a, 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 a nutrition deficiency or anemia. And what that is, is there are things that happen to you physically that is a sign of the fact that you're lacking in the proper nutrients in a particular area of your life. So um, when I had a trainer, um, I, 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 you, know, you know, when you work, when you work out by yourself, you tend to work out the, the, the stuff you want to just look good, right? So, you know, upper body, I can do that all day, all day. But, but this trainer, with they wild self, and I said they, um, put me on some multiple leg days. Now, I don't know if you've really ever had a good leg day where I, I couldn't walk up the steps for four days, literally. I mean, I mean but, but, but that was the easier part of leg day. The hard part of leg day is, 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 is about 2.30 in the morning or 3 in the morning. Some of y'all already know. About that time of night, your hamstring 
or your, or, or your or, Lord have mercy, or your, or your calf just locks up on you and you, you de-sleep. You know, there's process to sleep. When I was in psychology, tell you the phases of sleep. Listen, I go straight from rim to up, you know. And I'm up looking around like this, and I am in pain. And my wife is like, what's going on? What's going on, you know? And, and you know, and I, I'm trying to, I, I'm like, I don't know. And, and, she, and she said, oh, it's a child, I'm stretching for the I said, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I'm trying to stretch it out, and I'm trying to do what I got to do. And what I just did, I took a couple pills and just went back to sleep and hope it went away by the morning. Um, but, I, but I ended up finding out, I ended up finding out that the reason why I was getting Charlie horses is because I had a potassium deficiency. And if I take the potassium, the potassium feeds my muscles so that my muscles can properly take the workout. So that when I work out and when I work hard, they won't lock up on me, they'll relax for me. In other, in other words, my body was telling me that I wasn't getting all the nutrients in my life that I needed in order to live and properly function. Well, the Christian life is the same way. Although there are five food groups in the world, there are three major overarching food groups in the diet of the Christian that's expanded into multiplicity of subgroups. Um, uh, there, there's faith, hope, and love. Those are good food groups. But the ones that help us to grow with nutrients is at, to get those nutrients into us to help the nutrients that's already in us with the fruit of the Spirit is prayer. Prayer is a dietary vitamin family. The Word of God definitely is nutritious. Faith, believing God is one of those means of grace that pumps in us the nutrients to grow confession and repentance it, 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 it's what it's what you call you if you want to go through a cleansing I don't know if you ever went through one of them cleansings you know faith and repentance is like doing a doing juice diet all week and you know what your body does you go to the bathroom a lot and what's happening is toxins is getting out of you that's what repentance and confession is for to flush some stuff out of you I wish I had a church's help up in this place today but then the, then another thing that God uses for our dietary uh, 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 connection is crucifying the flesh he, he, he uses all of these things as ways of getting gospel nutrients in us and getting mess out of us suffering challenges he uses that as well but not only that pruning Pruning doesn't mean you did something wrong. It just means that something's attached to you that shouldn't be attached to you. And in order for you to grow, you need some fiber from the Holy Ghost to push it out of your system. But not only that, Christian community. Listen, you got to go eye to eye. You can't just be on Zoom all the time with the saints. Skipping church going once a quarter on the saints. Listen. You're going to deal with a deficiency when, because God recreated your spiritual digestive system to process these things as a part of your growth. I wish y'all would hear me today. But last but not least of the good gospel food groups is generosity. Somebody say generosity. It's a, if, 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 when, you, when you got these in great flow in your life, what will begin to happen is you will have a balanced diet. And as we develop a balanced diet, we begin to grow as believers and be all that God wants us to be. And so as we talk about generosity and we look at the Apostles Paul talking to the Corinthian church, the immature church in the New Testament, he had to deal with them on so many fundamentals of why their nutrition was down. That's why he talked to them in 1 Corinthians 
uh, 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 chapter 3 about uh, the milk of the word being in their life. And so he didn't want them to have any dietary issues. Most of 1 and 2 Corinthians is about God growing them. But, but, but here in 2 Corinthians, he has a chip on his shoulder about the fact that they don't respect his apostleship. And so he's writing them back uh, to challenge them on respecting his authority so that that can be a part of nurturing them in the faith so they can grow in every area of their life. And so here in this passage, he's doing what's called a missionary offering. And what he does is as he's doing this missionary offering, he begins giving offering, he begins asking for offering, but he also gives education about giving. Now you're going to see today that last time we talked about giving or generosity, we talked about it being worshipful to God primarily. In this passage, actually, I'm going to talk to you about the comprehensive life benefits of generosity. In other words, now we talked about God, now, 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 now we're going to talk about the benefits of them in your life, the benefits of giving. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's two types of giving in the Bible, in the Old Testament. The first type of giving is storehouse giving. The second type of giving is personal giving. We're going to come back to this. Storehouse giving is giving to the covenant community to honor God and be a distribution center of blessing. But then th there's just your life in everyday life. And we're going to see some examples and we're going to see some Bible on it. Where in, every, in your everyday life, you don't have to, uh, 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 beyond your normal giving, you should also be giving relationally to other people as they have need. Now we're going to talk about what that looks like because I know some of y'all looking at me funny, but some of y'all want to receive some stuff. You want to be the recipient of the giving, but God didn't build you to just be a recipient. You built different. My son always tell me, dad, I'm built different. So we all, we built different. And so because you're built different, you're built with a giving disposition because your savior died in giving his life to you. Now that DNA of giving is in you. And so you should be in a place where the dietary might of Jesus's body that's in you motivates you to be a giver as well. And so I got one point, one point on how much away. Generosity breaks barriers in every area of your life. Generosity breaks barriers in every area of your life. He said the point is this, verse 6. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. What's interesting about this passage is it's so clear. It would have been very, very clear to the Corinthian church what Paul was talking about. <clears throat> Um, because they were in an agricultural environment. When my wife and I uh, were in Israel uh, this past year, um, uh, uh, a few months ago, and we were in Turkey and we were in Greece, it was unbelievable how many farms was out there. The Italian farms, I wanted to get off the bus and go get me some Roma tomatoes, some pumpernickel bread, some truffle mayo, and some mustard cheese, a mozzarella, put it in the joint, put some basil on top of it when it come out like that. Yakawism, salt, pepper, boom, yakka. Listen, I used to not like it, and now I love it. I'm telling you right now, ain't nothing like some fresh farm-to-table food. Listen, so they would have known about this because it was a highly agricultural environment. And so, uh, in there, when he says, he, instead of using the word giving, he uses the word sowing. It's a very important distinction because sowing has a different connotation to it uh, 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 because he, he's pulling on the agricultural terminology of the fact that if a, no one in their society saw a farmer sow like this. 
That's that, that, because if he sold like that, he's going to have pretty bad harvest. No, money puts on a bag with seed like this on his shoulder. And he begins to scoop out. goes whoosh, 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 whoosh. Just be swinging seed everywhere. Wacka, wacka, just everywhere. Why? Because he wants to maximize the yield. And so he knew that you couldn't expect to put a little seed in the ground and expect a lot back. Let me ask you something. You can't expect to bless God and people with just a little bit, but then demand a full field of harvest. And see, 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 it doesn't work like that. I'm just preaching the text. Don't get mad at Pastor E. I'm just telling you what the book says. And so many of us don't understand this principle. And actually, Jesus dares us to maximize it. It's a beautiful principle. Now, what he's not promising is, is prosperity of billions. Talking about if you, if you sow a seed today, amen. And come in the $500 line, amen, and you come up here, God already told me that he's going to release. <laughs> yeah, he's going to release something on your life that, listen, cars, and I see cars, hey, I see cars and houses. I see relationships. Some of y'all, some of y'all are there. Go ahead and preach like that, Pastor. I give everything I got. Tell me everything you want to give me, Pastor. Right? <laughs> um, but, but it's not, it's not this, God's not a slot machine. God's not a slot machine where you put in a quarter and expect a jackpot. Oh, I need to go down the street. Anyway, I ain't going down the street. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that's why giving has to be, giving has to be talking. We come out the womb stingy. First thing a kid doing, they like this. Feed me now. Don't let them become a toddler and get some friends. And they got a toy, and they got a toy. They want their toy, but don't want to share their toy. So what you got to teach? You got to teach sharing. Listen, giving just, being generous is just not natural. Because, so you got to constantly do so My kids, you know, you know, you get them, you get them some money, you know, when they was little. You know, I say, now we got to get to God. They say, get to God? He up there, he up there. Me down here. He owned cattle on Thousand Hill like in devotional. He don't need my money, my $10. Listen, when I was little, you get a dollar. Listen, you ain't thinking about nobody. You going to the corner store. You going to get you some Boston baked beans. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that. Some lemon heads, some fireballs, that little Hershey box of ice cream, a quarter water. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. And you, listen, when you get money, it be burning in your pocket. It be like this, oh, I got to spend it, I got to spend it. That's how we are. That's how kids are, right? Because, because, because we like, man, I got it for me. But now we got to trans, that's baby, that's baby thinking. When God blesses you, he doesn't give it for it to burn in your pocket for you. He wants you to begin, see maturity is having a more comprehensive understanding of the way the kingdom works. And until God's people, we learn how the kingdom works, we're like the kid with a dollar burning in our pocket that wants to spend everything on ourselves. And so he says, you should you want to reap generously. I love the way Proverbs 11, 24 says, he says, one person gives freely, 
yet gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. The idea is hyperbole. Doesn't mean if you don't give, you're going to automatically become poor. It's hyperbole to just talk about the the, the lack of yield versus the maximization of yield. The the phrase only to become poor can be translated there. uh, uh, It it, it, it means to come to lack. Deuteronomy chapter 15, 10 says, give to him and don't have a stingy heart. When you give and because the Lord, because of this, the, the Lord, your God, will bless you in all your work and everything you do. So what we look at is, is we look at the reality, again, that there's two types of giving in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. There's storehouse giving and there's personal giving. Now, even, even in the Old Testament, you'll see in Malachi 3, we're not going to talk. We don't believe in that curse with a curse stuff if you don't give. We just believe if you, if you sow sparingly, uh, you don't reap any. You reap very little. If you sow nothing, you get nothing. If you sow bountifully, you get something. That's what we believe. We don't believe you're cursed with a curse because Christ became a curse to become a cure for us. So we don't, we don't work with that, right? However, however, right, uh, um, 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 because some preachers think you got to teach the tithe to make people give, but I, I want to Holy Ghost you, not hinder you. We'll talk about that in a minute. So storehouse giving in the Old Testament was giving to the temple and the work there. Uh, personal giving was the Levirate giving like in Leviticus chapter 19 where you didn't glean the edge of your land so that sojourners could come in and grab part of your yield. And that's outside of your normal giving of 10 to 23%, right? And so, and so you would give that and you would open, in other words, you open up your life to not just be a, 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 a pothole, but you're called to be a, a, a conduit or a pipeline. That's what God has called us to do. And so that means that we have to begin to think about ways that we can be blessed. Now, listen to what it says. Each person should do as he or she has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, for God loves to share forgive. Remember, whenever the Bible uses the word heart, usually it's talking of three things, mind, emotions, will. Somebody say mind, emotions, will. Here, when it talks about deciding in your heart, that that disposition means value first. Mind means value. You have to first value giving. We're going to help you with that today. But you also have have to have an affection for it. We're going to help you with that too today. But then you also have to have the will to give it so that you can execute it in effectually giving. So, it says, not reluctantly, reluctantly, one lexicon says, being sad when you give. It being, just being sad, you know. It's like, I had to do this. You understand what I mean? I, I, I mean, ain't nothing worse to when you know some. you ever been over somebody's house and they don't want you over there? <laughs> and you can feel it. You can just feel that you're not welcomed. Everything you touch is a problem. And when I feel like, when I feel unwelcome, I'm like, you know what, babe, let's go. That's how I am. That's why I, listen, I drive where I go. I'm not taking a ride because I want to get out of there when I'm ready if I don't feel like I'm welcome, right? Um, um, so, so, but, but, it says, but it says, don't give with sadness or regret. You give, give with sadness or regret because God doesn't, that's why God doesn't like coerced giving. I remember when I was growing up in the church, you know, a little, a little, little kid, I was a you know, little boy, and um, 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 at, the, at the first of every year, they would have these, these boxes with envelopes in them, with members' names on them. 
And, I, and that's called paying your dues. I was wondering, dudes, this sounds like an organization that you owe something to, right? And so, I, but anyway, I'll just look. And they had, and so people, they said, don't forget after church, you know, pick up your dues envelopes. And so you had 24 envelopes in there for you give on the 1st and the 15th. So you get those envelopes. But those envelopes are out there. When you didn't pick up your envelopes, you saw that person's name on it. For a while, you know they wasn't giving nothing. So the purpose of the envelopes really wasn't to facilitate them giving. It was basically to put you on blast so that if you didn't give, they can say, see, they don't be giving, but they be talking a lot in the meetings and stuff. I know that don't happen at the Pivoty Fellowship. But anyway, next. Um, then another one happened where um, my, my, my dad, when he was still wrestling with the faith, I remember he said, he said, yeah, son, they would, he said, they would have, they put your name in the back of the bulletin. See, y'all don't even know what a bulletin is at Epiphany. You're too young. You don't know what a bulletin is. Uh, we don't have urshas in carrying on. We got, we, we got greeters, you know? <laughs> Amen. The hospitality team. We'll have an usher board at Epiphany. And then they'll march in, you know, like back in the old day. Y'all don't, y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all don't know nothing about that. <laughs> but um, but, 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 but they, they will put your name of what you gave in the bulletin from last week. And, and put it in, and put, and put you how much you gave in the offering beside it. Y'all don't see that's old school church right there. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? And listen, and listen. My dad said this lady she drove up in a big old Mercedes, and that thing said three dollars. <laughs> oh Lord! And my dad did not like that their names was put up in there, but he thought that thing was funny. But what was interesting is that was a promotion of compulsion. Because the Bible says you shouldn't even let your right hand know what your left hand doing. So giving has a private, worshipful, but accountable component to it, right? And so, so we talk about uh, not reluctantly or out of compulsion since God loves a, cheer, a cheerful giver. Um, God loves when you give cheerfully. You know, one, one, my, my son Ephraim is probably one of the most giving people you ever meet. Um, um, it, it, so, so, so during Christmas time, Every Christmas and for your birthday, he is going to get you a gift. He's going to get you a gift. Um, he's going to get you a gift, and he's going to take, like, f he's going to cut cardboard from, like, Amazon packages. He's going to get a gift, tape around it, and he's going to put your name on it, may, may write you a little note or something, and put it under the Christmas tree or give it to you, whatever, right? And so, so what ends up happening is Ephraim, you'll get it, and you'll be like, oh, he said, I gave you a gift, and he's giving out gifts. We're like, look at Ephraim, giving us gifts. High five, buddy, you know, giving us a gift. Then we open up the gift, and it's something that's been around the house. I'm like, I'm like, you a wild boy. But in his mind, he doesn't see it that way. And the joy of him saying, he said, do you like my gift? And his disposition, you just say, I'm just put this right here, son. Here we go. Thank you, son. I'm going to put it on my desk. And I'm going to just put it there, and I'm going to be happy. Um, because we used to be like, that was around the house. And I was like, don't say nothing. Just let it. Because we want to encourage him to be a giver. But you know what I love about it? His disposition towards giving, even though it's not the gift that I wanted, his disposition melts me. That's what it's like when we give to God without compulsion, but with cheer and with excitement and with the desire. That's, that's, that's the way it is when, when we give to the Lord and the Lord, like, listen, it's all his anyway because we're doing the same thing Ephraim did. 
<laughs> Basically, we're wrapping what he already created. <laughs> but God still says, oh. Because that's the disposition he wants us to have before him when it comes to giving. Look, look, at, look, at, look at verse 8. And God is able. This is dope. So what we've seen already was, was, was the cycle of giving, right? Then we see the disposition of giving. But listen, now, or generosity, but guess what? Now we see the blessing of it, what it does, right? Look, look at verse 8. So it says, and God is able to make every grace. That's, that's interesting to me. Every grace overflow to you. Why? So that in every way, always having everything you greed. Everything you need. You may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. This is so dope. So basically, what, what Paul is saying is this. He's saying when God gives to you, because he says he's able to make grace overflow to you. He basically is saying God doesn't just give you back in harvest what you sowed with that seed specifically. He's basically saying when you sow, he'll give you from that particular seed. But God is so much of a giver that he starts giving you stuff you didn't sow. Well, y'all ain't, ain't hearing me today. In other words, God always wants to show you that he wins when he gives. Oh, God help me today. And so, and so, so what will happen in your life is grace is manifold. And when it says every grace, it says you, you sow this, but there are different type of graces and favor. God will begin giving you favor that you didn't think you could get. He'll begin giving you favor that you didn't ask for. He'll begin flowing in your life with mouth-watering flavor for every area of your life. Y'all ought to hear me today. He loves to overflow you with flavors. And stuff will come back onto you that you didn't know could happen. A man was... It's a true story. A man was in the woods. He was going hunting. And as he was going hunting, he ended up um, coming upon a wolf. He's like, oh. Uh-oh. And when he saw the wolf, the wolf wasn't aggressive. The wolf was in a bear trap. And so he's like, oh, good. I'm going to keep on walking now. But some just told him, don't leave the wolf there. Take him out of the trap. He's like, oh, what? Take him out of the trap. And what he ended up doing is he opened the trap and backed up. And the wolf said, <laughs> sniffed in the air, got his scent, and he ran off into the woods. So as every year, the man comes back hunting the next year. And as he comes back hunting the next year, a bear accosts him. And all the, you know, the birds and everything reacting and every, all, all of the animals are reacting. And so he hears the pity patter of more animals coming. He's like, I'm already trying to fight off this bear. He's fighting for his life. 
And he's trying to keep his gun in his face and hold his mouth back. And he can't quite do it. And all of a sudden, a wolf, a pack of wolves appear. And he's like, oh, my God. It's, I'm, I'm about to die. But he ended up, the wolf said, and he went over and the, the wolves attacked the bear and saved the man's life. And the man is sitting there and he's dumbfounded thinking he's going to get eaten by the wolves. But the wolves begin to back up. The alpha began to back up. When the alpha backed up, the alpha turned around and he just went like this. He said, and ran off into the woods with his pack. Let me tell you something. You better understand that when you're blessing somebody else and when you're doing something, you don't know who you're blessing because you might get in trouble one day. And when you get in trouble one day, somebody going to remember that God used you to bless their life. And it's going to come back around and get you out of something that you got yourself into. You just never know. And he let the wolf out with just... No, God will tell you to bless somebody and you won't understand why. And usually, listen, the time that he tells you to bless them is when you're not in surplus. Because giving is better when it costs you something. Because when you give out of what you don't have. That's why I like the, the widow. She, when, when Elijah came to the widow... She said, what you finna do? He said, she said, we're going to take this little bit of oil and this little bit, and I'm going to knit some bread, and we're going to eat and die. And Elijah said, go to your neighbors and, and go get as many jugs as you can get and fill them with water. And she like, he said, but before you do it, take care of the man of God. Feed me first. And he's like, but how? I just took, feed me. She went, filled the jugs with water. And listen, this was during a famine because she thought she would die. And Elijah, God used him to make a miracle, and it was filled with oil in a famine. And, it, it, and every time she took a scoop out of it, it refilled with oil supernaturally in the midst of a famine. In other words, in other, in other words when she gave to Elijah personal giving and storehouse giving guess what happened God took care of her for her needs in abundance and it says and it did not lack oil until the famine was over listen listen honoring God through giving is a beautiful thing in your life because he wants you to listen to the text the text says so that you can expand and excel in every good work. He wants you to expand your financial return, expand your gifting, expand your opportunities. God wants to expand so many things in your life. Look at what the verse says right here. It says, now the one who provides seed, this is so amazing, for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase your harvest of righteousness. Now, there's two things going on here. He's saying in the first part of the verse, he's going to give you more seed. We'll talk about how that happens. But the second part is, he says it impacts your spiritual life personally in your soul because you'll have a harvest of righteousness. Now, look at this. So whenever you go and you go and you scatter seed and you get a yield, 
You, you, you eat everything, but you take the seeds out of it. You take those seeds and those become seeds for more harvest. But when you, when you get that harvest, and so as you go forth over and over and over again, not only does your harvest increase, but as your harvest increase, you re-sow in the ground off of every harvest. Can I see if I can make it plain? Listen, people always ask me, should I give off the net or the gross? I say, um, how much did you give Uncle Sam? Oh, you didn't give him. He just took that. See, it's interesting. Taxes are taken, but God calls you to give. He wants it to be an act of your will to give. It's interesting. Somebody said, I got a tax return. I didn't work for that. Yes, you did because I was taking off the taxes. Should I give? Yep, give off of that. Somebody gave me a gift. Should I give off of that? I didn't work for it. Yes, everything that comes in your sphere that God gives you was God giving it to you. So, if, so, so stop asking, should I give to God if God just gave to you? Okay, I'm by myself. I'm by myself. But then, this is beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm landing this mug. And, and, and so what, what, what begins to happen is, he said, you will have a harvest of righteousness. Listen, harvest of righteousness is, is, is this. Is that is, he's pointing to the fact that giving is sanctifying. It's very sanctifying. Uh, it's sanctifying, but it's also something about generosity that intensifies your fellowship with the Lord. Not only that, something about generosity is worshipful and something about generosity is spiritual discipline. Take spiritual discipline to give. And as we look at the reality of the fact that it's spiritual discipline to give, it does something in us. He says, you will be enriched. I love this. In every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Amazing. He said, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God, which points out three things. Breaking barriers, it breaks barriers, generosity breaks barriers of personal faith for endeavors in life. It breaks barriers in other people's life, but it also breaks barriers in your fellowship with God. Let's look at breaks barriers of personal faith uh, uh, for endeavors in life. What will happen is as you give and as you invest and as you think about that, God will bless the personal endeavors in your life. Listen, I've seen through giving, God blessing my LLC. I've seen through giving, God blessing the church. I've seen God doing so many things through being obedient to the reality of God in giving. Giving helps you believe God and trust him because you have seen him provide before. And when you've seen him provide before, it's amazing to you. That's why your giving, when you give to somebody personally, it breaks barriers in their life. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. So um, our house is about to turn 100 next year. It's an older house. You know, it's some rehab to a decent rehab, but it's still an old house uh, nonetheless. And so um, we had the HVAC system go out. Now, I don't know if anybody in here understands what I just said, but an HVAC system isn't an air conditioner that you can just buy from Home Depot and slip in the window. <laughs> That's seven grand minimum. So that was all the emergency from the little Dave Ramsey little stuff. <laughs> You know, he's talking about keep this much in the bank. I'm like, 
That's a bag right there, Dave. That's a bag. You feel me? So then our basement flooded. I sent the elders the picture just, you know, we were surfing in the basement. It was just coming in the house. Just crazy. And, and, And it was sewage, too. So that meant that we had to, uh, so we went to our insurance. Our insurance said, we'll cover the furniture, but we won't cover these other things. So he said, you got to work to get rid of that. So he's like, how are we going to get rid of it? So we had to get the basement cleaned, you know, real clean, not no, not no spick and span. We need professionals with suits to come on in there to clean. But the other thing is, is I had a guy say, what we need to do? And so he said, man, you got to, I got to dig into your foundation. Listen, if you, anybody got a house, you already, you don't, you, you, you the foundation is, is a different level of money. So he said, we're going to have to do, do a perimeter drain around the entirety of your house and lead it into the sub pump. And I just was like, how much does that Cost. He said, I'll send you an invoice later. When they tell you that, <laughs> that means they got to sit down at the table and calculate. If you can't give me a number on hand, I know this finna be a bag. So he says, we narrowed it down for you, Mr. Mason. It'll only be five grand. Now I'm just like, we just spent seven grand. You know, I'm getting upset, getting upset. And, and I, I can sense the Holy Spirit saying, <laughs> you still haven't learned, have you? I was like, what? <laughs> it was like the Holy Spirit was like, when you going to trust me? Like, when, what calamities ever happened in your life that I've never taken care of you? So my, my, my wife was on the phone with somebody, and um, somebody found out. And then somebody called and said, the Holy Spirit told me to give you all the money to get it fixed. Guess what that did to our faith? It increased it. It increased it because when God provides, when you have nothing, when, when God always allows something too much for you to pay for to happen to you. So that he can show you that your hourly wage or your salary, listen, I don't base my provision holistically of you based on what you work for. Sometimes God just want to do some stuff in your life that you didn't work for just to love on you and take care of you, but it's also still connected to you sowing as well. I'm closing. It's a woman. She was like the block mother. I mean, everybody in the neighborhood loved her to life because because if your parent was a crack addict, she made sure that the babies were changed. She fed them. You know, if somebody needed a quick place to stay in the basement, she makes sure that they was good, they could stay in the basement. Um, birthday parties, she would host different things. She did, so give kids, she was one of them old mothers in the church, you know, when it's your birthday, they balled, they balled it up, the little money, and you hold out your hand, son, come on, work with daddy. There you go, no, open your hand, there you go. That's how you, and they, they, they do it like that, and they say, shh, and back up. You know, they, they put a little something in your hand on your birthday, that, that, that's the type of, she was that type of woman. And so she did this for so many kids in the neighborhood, and they remembered her, and they loved her so much, and some of them moved out, and some of them remained in the neighborhood. 
But later on, as she got older, her house started falling apart. She didn't have what's needed. Income was crazy in retirement, so she wasn't able uh, to work on the house, so the roof was coming apart. Plumbing had issues. Car was broken down. So many different things were happening. And so ended up some of the kids that she kind of raised, basically, heard about her dilemma. And what was interesting is they got together and said, we're going to help her. But it's interesting. One of the kids was a general contractor. Another kid worked in a car dealership. A young lady that she had helped worked as an executive at the bank that held her mortgage. And so when they got together, they began working together in order to take care of her. And they got her house fixed and everything up the par, got her back taxes taken off and, and her house paid off. They took care of her car and got it fixed and then got a trade in and she got a car. Get worked on everything at the house. And when she began to weep and she said, why did y'all do this to me? Why did y'all do this for me? What made you do it? And they said, you don't know that when my mama was on crack and you made sure I was good that you were sowing into a guy that was going to be your general contractor for your house. He said, she said, why did you do it? She said, you didn't know when you were taking care of us and you gave us a place to stay that I, you were sowing into me being a bank executive. And you didn't know, and every person was talking about the reasons. Then they said, when you were sowing into us, you were sowing into us, but you were also sowing into stuff that you didn't know that was going to happen in your life in the future. And when that thing happened in our lives and you blessed us, we were so blessed by your impact on us. We were so blessed by your love for us that all those years for nothing, you gave while you were struggling. You gave while you had nothing. So who would we be if we wouldn't give back to you what you gave to us and more because we wouldn't be here, right here able to do it if it wasn't for you. Well, I wish I had a couple of people under the sound of my voice that know that they wouldn't be here if it had not been for the love of Jesus looking out for you, taking care of you. He rocks you in the cradle of his arms. He blessed you and took care of you. He took care of you when you had nothing. He loved you when you had something. I wish I had a church that would understand that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Grab your neighbor by the hand. Rock them and shake them. Shake them and rock them. Rock them and shake them. And say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Listen, the Bible didn't say that God felt love for us. It says he demonstrated. His own. This is how much God loved you. Before you and I existed, the Bible says Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. So he was already had his investment strategy for your soul before the earth was ever created. You missed the shouting moment. That God was thinking about you when you were just a thought and you didn't even physically exist. 
but he took his time to make sure that 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary that a man of color walked up Golgotha's hill with a piece of wood on his back and they hung him high and they stretched him wide. He died all day. He died till the moon turned black. He died till the sun started to bleed. He died till the sun, the sky got dark. He died till the temple was torn from top to bottom. He died. And then he hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. And on Saturday, it was quiet. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. Didn't he give? God is a better giver than you. And so how dare we not invest in God's kingdom, but also how will we not invest in other people? If you know somebody here is single and they don't have family and they get COVID, look out for them. Listen, I want us to be, I want giving to just be in us. I want it to be, I just want it to be something that we, it's not a thought. Then when it's time to bless the community, it's time to do different things for one another and for our city and for our ministry and our church. And so let's become the church. Giving isn't a taboo here. We've never fleeced you. We've never done 10 offerings, five offerings, three offerings. But we do believe that giving is a part of your spiritual life. And listen, when you don't give, you miss out on nutrients. So, so remember, giving is a part of God's growth strategy for you. Because the more you're able to give even in that area, you can give your life even more. It all is cyclical. Every head by every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your confidence in the greatest giver of all times. <laughs> the greatest giver of all times is Jesus. Jesus gave his life as a ransom. It's a ransom for me and a ransom for you. He died on the cross and got up from the grave with all power in his hand. And guess what he, guess what he wants to do? He wants to give you life. Life more abundantly. Transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God's wrath was satisfied. His anger towards our sin was satisfied. And the door was open for those who believe to fully experience what it means to be reborn and in a relationship with God. If you're here today, you're going to put your trust in Jesus Christ by faith. Hold your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone on the balcony, on the floor, anyone that says, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to who God gave me. To who God gave me. Anyone on the balcony, anyone on the floor. I want to say yes to Jesus. Amen. Well, let's celebrate our giver. Let's take communion. Communion is a sign to celebrate the one who gave the most to us.
communion is a time also to remember God's generosity towards us in Jesus Christ. So if you want to take the elements, if, you want to, if you're a believer in Jesus, or you want to participate in communion, hold your hand in the air if you didn't get the elements. Hold your hand up. want to make sure you get it. Anyone didn't receive communion and wanted to participate? Amen. So, on the night that Yeshua was betrayed before he gave his life. He gave a symbol of giving his life. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Let us eat together. The blood speaks of the finality of the inauguration of the new covenant through his blood. As he's given for a sacrifice, just like a sacrificial lamb their Passover, the lamb would have been bled out. That bleeding out was to cover sin, but Jesus didn't just cover our sin. He took them away. Let us drink together. Well, Lord, break barriers in our life through us functioning as healthy givers Lord you've been wonderful to us and you've been good to us and we want to show gratitude by both obeying and enjoying investing in your kingdom and in other people now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy to him our God and Savior be glory, majesty, dominion and power both now and forever everybody agree with that said amen God bless you take care Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy.